welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, Listening in Prayer, and it is part of the Conversations with God Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can visit us at our website at bccma.org or you could always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. So we're going we're gonna to actually preach about prayer this month, and so we're starting a new series this morning called Conversations with God. And very important that, that uh, you understand that prayer is a conversation with God. It's not just a place of petition. It's not just a presenting your, your appeal to a court. It's a conversation with your Heavenly Father. So that's what we want to begin today. Today we're going to talk about listening prayer, or listening in prayer, you could call it. Prayerlessness is a problem in in the church, uh, for sure, but prayerlessness may not be our major problem, the fact that we don't pray enough. In fact, uh, according to many surveys, 95% of Americans pray. And most people I talk to pray. And almost everyone that I talk to who does pray has a a list of things that they are troubled about and wondering why God hasn't done anything about a list of things in their life. And I suppose we all have that list of what we call unanswered prayer. Uh, So uh, most of us us pray, even, even if we're not cognizant of it or aware of it, most of us actually use an outline of prayer that's, that mimics the physical layout of the Old Testament tabernacle. Uh, and this has been taught as a way of prayer in the, uh, in, in the church, in the evangelical church. But even if you haven't heard it taught on, you, you just kind of get it by osmosis. And, though you, and for some of you, what I'm about to say will kind of be new to you. Oh, I didn't know that, or I never thought about that. But you, here's how the temple was arranged. It had an outer court, and then it had an inner court. And in the inner court, there would be a, a brass basin. And the priest would go, and he would look into the brass basin. If there were any blemishes on his face, it would have water in it. It would, it would reflect his image, right? So he would wash his face. And, the, and then the next area of the temple, they would offer the sacrifice for sins. And then they would go into the next thing, they would go into what what was called the holiest of holies. You wouldn't dare go into the holiest of holies if you didn't offer the sacrifice. So the priest, now the average person wasn't allowed to go back into the holiest of holies, but the priest did. He would offer the people's sacrifice. He would go to the holiest of holies and there have a meeting with God. And so most of us kind of follow that outline. We enter, the Bible says, almost every Christian has heard this verse, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. So most, most of us think of prayers. We go, thank God for, for, we praise him for stuff, and we thank him for who he is. And then we go and we, we look into, we go the next phase is we look into his presence and we do self, self-reflection. And then we go and make sure we can have a time of confession, confess our sins to God and make sure that everything's right with God. And that's kind of a a place of getting everything right with God. And then the big meeting, we go into the holiest of holies and there we present our petitions and all of these things. And most of us have followed that outline of prayer in some way, even if we were never taught it. In fact, there's a song we used to sing 
we used to sing a song called Sweet Hour of Prayer, Sweet Hour of Prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne, that's the throne room, the inner sanctuary, makes all my wants and wishes known. Now, I'm going to propose to you today, though, that our major problem is not prayerlessness, and the thing we want to learn about first is not prayerlessness, but learning to listen to God in prayer, learning to hear from God. What is missing from that hymn that, that, that I just quoted? I think the words are up there. Yeah. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne, makes all my wants and wishes known. Well, I think there are three things missing from that hymn that we sang for years and years in, in Protestant churches anyway. One is no mention of, uh, of no reference or an acknowledgement of God initiating conversation but but instead it and I'm not I'm not critical of the song it's a great song and I agree with every word of it but it's the the world of care calls us to go find a place to pray right uh no mention of God calling us to prayer and and there's also no mention or no reference to us listening to God it's all about us talking to God and so for most people, the prayer is a lot of talking, a lot of us talking. The third thing that I see missing from that great O hymn of the church is there's no mention of the God's wants and wishes. It's make all our wants and wishes known. And most of us are really good at that, right? I'm really good at that, making God know all my wants and wishes. But what is missing from those... The, But the biblical examples of prayer, if you look back through the Bible, starting with the beginning, I guess one of the first people we see is Noah, and then we go to Abraham, and and then we go to Moses, and then we go to people like King David, and, uh, and then we go all the prophets, and then we jump over the New Testament, and we look at um, the early church, and the early apostles, and we look at Paul, and what you would see constantly is them being spoken to by God, not just them speaking to God and giving God their want, telling him all their wants and wishes, but actually hearing from God and hearing God's wants and wishes. Uh, you know, Noah was heard from God, build an ark, and Abraham was heard. I mean, the Bible doesn't even say that Abraham went to God and was saying, God, I just want to know what is your will for my life, and I just want to know I don't know what to do, and I don't know what decisions, I don't know where I'm supposed to work and what I'm supposed to do. It looks like he was just kind of minding his own business. You know, he was just doing his life and living in the Ur of the Chaldees, and what, what? Leave your family and go to a land I will show you. And you see that with King David, he's out there just, just taking care of his sheep, and God Taps him on the shoulder. You're going to be the next king of Israel. <laughs> and you see that throughout the Bible. And, and go through the book of Acts. If you, it would be a good thing to read this week. Read the book of Acts. And all the places where it says the Spirit spoke. The Spirit led. And I just want to propose to you that I think that's the biggest problem today is we're not understanding how to hear from God. Now, the good news, I'm not, not putting you down and putting you on a guilt trip. The good news is God is talking. And, and, and the, the good, news is we, we, good news is we are hearing from God, but we haven't figured out 
how, how he speaks. And that's what I want to talk to you today. I want, I want us to try to figure out today how God speaks and how we can begin to tune in to what God is saying. So this week of prayer becomes an adventure. Yes, yes, we want you to come and make all your known wants and wishes known to God this week. I want you to come in here and tell him everything you want and everything you need. I want you to talk to him a lot, but I also want you to turn up your ear of listening. And let's read a, let's read a text here, John chapter 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. Uh, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Now I'm going to skip down a little bit and start where it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd the reason the father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again no one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord I have authority to lay it down authority to take it up this command notice Jesus is hearing from the father this command I received from my father then came the festival dedication of Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple courts. I'm going to read really fast so we can get to the, the part I want you to focus on. Then the Jews who were gathered there around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe me. The works I do in my Father's name about me, but you did not believe because you're not my sheep. Then, let's slow down. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me, is greater than all. Who has given to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my, out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. See, notice there that the sheep's life depends on the shepherd's voice. It depends on them hearing direction from the shepherd. Uh, you know, but rather than try to lay a guilt trip on you about listening for not listening to God, even though in some cases that could be deserved, I suppose, I prefer, I prefer to think we have lost the art of listening to God. Furthermore, the reason we've lost the art of a, of a dialogue versus a monologue where we do all the talking is that we don't understand that hearing God's side of the divine conversation involves, one, a way of thinking. A different mindset. It's not just about you spending more time in prayer, though that's, you may need to do that, and I need to do that. But it involves a way of thinking, a different mindset. Secondly, a template or a model for discerning our own thoughts. And thirdly, a willingness to obey. So let's start with the first one. And I'm going to call this acting as if. Acting as if. We run headlong into this concept of acting as if, or what C.S. Lewis called uh, pretending. But he differentiated between a good way of pretending and a bad way of pretending. In other words, he said, some people will pretend that they're helping you, but they're not really helping you. That's bad pretending, C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity. But he said, good, good pretending is when you're not feeling very friendly, but you think you should be friendly, so you act friendly, and after a while, you start feeling more friendly. 
because you begin to pretend that you were friendly when you were not friendly at all. And so that's what I want to I, I talk to you about right now is about coming in prayer and doing some healthy pretending. Healthy pretending about your identity. Healthy pretending about what you're doing. I want you this week, I want you to begin to, in a good way, and I, I tried to think of a better word than C.S. Lewis used, but C.S. Lewis is way smarter than I, I am. He was way smarter than I will ever be. And so how can I criticize C.S. Lewis? I would never criticize C.S. Lewis. So that just would be inappropriate, wouldn't it? I would say C.S. Lewis, he, was, he just didn't, he couldn't think of the right word. No, if C.S. Lewis can't think of the right word, I'm, it's hopeless that I will never think of a better word. I don't like the word pretending necessarily because I know what you think. Pretending, that's hypocritical. No. I want to talk to you about pretending you're Jesus. Pretending you're the Son of God. Pretending that you're talking to God. And start acting like you, start acting as if you're talking to the Almighty God and you have the power to change the world with your conversation with God. Here's, here's what C.S. Lewis said. He's actually referring to the Lord's Prayer. He said, in its very first words, Our Father, do you know what those words mean? They mean, quite frankly, that you're putting yourself in the place of a son of God. To put it bluntly, you're dressing up as Christ. If you like, if you, like you are pretending, because of course... In the moment, you realize that the wor what, what the words mean. You realize that you're not a son of God. You realize that you're not being like the son of God, whose will and interest are at one with those of the Father. You're a bundle of self-centered fears, hopes, greed, jealousies, and self-conceit, all doomed to death. But you are going to go into the place of prayer pretending that you are as holy as Jesus Christ. Pretending that you are as deserving. Think about the term, our Father. When you say, and, and many of you have said that prayer thousands and thousands of times in your life. You've said the our Father. But do you realize how audacious that is? Do you realize how pretentious that is? That you would stand along Jesus Christ, the one who would live perfectly and never sin, the one who gave his life on the cross of Calvary, the one who, who, who is the uh, initiator and creator of all things. You will stand beside him and look up to heaven and say, Our Father, me and Jesus, we're one. That is an audacious, amazing thing to say, but that's what I want you to start doing. Now, let me take this matter of you seeing yourself at the level with Christ to the Father in His presence a step further. And I want to go to one of the most beautiful verses of the, of the, in the Scripture. I would say that some of you will not know this Scripture, but it, it, I, I want you, you, you're, you're, you're stuck now. You're going to know it for the, for the rest of your life. You're going to know this Scripture, and you're going to love this Scripture because it, it says this, and it's actually prophetically talking about Jesus. This is Jesus talking through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. 
The word, the word weary here, by the way, is a word that uh, a guy named Gideon in the Old Testament used to describe his soldiers who had just come from battle. The, the uh, New American Standard Bible Dictionary ref- defines that word as exhausted. How many of you know we live in a, a world right now, today, where everyone's exhausted? I've never lived in a time in my life when I have felt serious exhaustion myself, and I know that many, many people I talk to feel seriously exhausted right now. Yes, it's appropriate that we pour out our complaints to God this week and make petition. It's entirely inappropriate for us not to see ourselves as kingdom ambassadors going into the king's chamber to get a word of encouragement for people that are exhausted. That's what Jesus did. You know, this pretending thing is so important. This, this putting yourself in the place of. And I'm gonna, we're going to refer to a couple of other verses in a minute about that. But you know, um, in a recent experiment where children aged four to six years of age were, were asked to do, because they're they're these researchers uh, are trying to figure out how to get kids like to do their homework. And things that you don't want to do, right? Things that, ha- you put it off, don't you, Rachel? You put it off as long as possible because it's boring. So, so, so they're trying to figure out how to get kids to do things that are boring. The reason you don't pray more, and, and you, think it's just, you think it's just a young person problem. It's not. The reason these people don't pray more is because it's boring. They'll watch, a, they'll watch a football game for two hours but you ask them, you say you have to pray for two hours, they would lose their minds. They'd lose their, they'd lose their mind. They'll sit and gorge on Netflix for a whole evening. But they've never in their life prayed that long. Why? Because it's boring. Don't act like prayer's not boring, because it's boring. It's boring until it gets not boring. <laughs> so, so they want to keep, have these kids do boring tasks so they, they, they had them uh, send a computer, and they would have to hit a space bar when, it, when they saw a certain object, and then when they saw a certain other object. And they tried to, so they wanted to see what would keep kids on task. And so they gave kids the choice. You can do this as you, but you can be you, and you can talk to yourself and say, you've got to talk to yourself while you do this and tell yourself to keep doing it. Or you can be Batman. Or Bob the Builder, or Dora the Explorer. Kids who were, and they actually gave them, they were, they were props and stuff. They could put on a Batman cape and a Batman mask and, and Dora the Explorer outfit. Now they could put these things on while they did it. The kids who were pretending to be characters stayed on task 20 to 55% longer than the kids who did not. If you will come into prayer, putting on the mindset, the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. With the mindset that I am, I'm a, I am the son of God. I'm a child of the king. There are parts of the world that depend on me getting a word from God. And it's really true. It's really true. There are people in your life 
that are depending on you getting in touch with the Most High God. There are people in your household that are depending on you getting in touch with the Most High God. You have co-workers who don't even know it, but they're depending on you having an experience with God that you will bring God to work. There are people on your neighborhood and on your street that are depending on you. They don't even know that they're depending on you. They don't even know that you're the ambassador for Christ on your street. So that's first, that you act as if. Act as if you're a child of God. In a healthy way, act as if you're talking to God. Now, I believe you are, both of those things. But you have to enter it by faith. The second thing is sort your thoughts out. Now, many thoughts will come to you throughout your day. And, 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 and see, prayer, the Bible says pray without ceasing. So when you're driving down the road, and if you understand that prayer will, will, will more often be initiated by God than you. See, some of you think prayer only happens when you initiate it. But God is the greatest initiator of conversation. God initiates conversation with you far more than you initiate conversation with Him. But the key, though, is learning to sort out your thoughts because you're going to have a lot of thoughts going through your mind and going through your brain. And a lot of people don't understand that you're supposed to use your brain. That, that, that hearing the voice of God, you must not... A lot of believers have lost their minds. You must stop losing your mind. And you must understand that God speaks to you in your thoughts. Now, everybody in this room, when you think about it, you know it. You know that God speaks to you in your thoughts. The Bible says in, 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 the, in John 14, 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And listen to what it says. He will remind you of everything I have said. He will remind you. What organ in your body gets reminded your, your foot or your big toe? Your ears? What, help me out here. Your mind. Your brain, yeah. Your, your mind. To know the voice of God, there must be an engagement with your own mental faculties. You must stop losing your mind. You must have an engagement with your own mental faculties. And, and this is all over the scripture. This is all, this is all over the Bible. And, and, and the Bible says... You know, in, in, uh, in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, that Abraham reckoned, he considered not his own body. He used his mind. He used his mind. The, uh, uh, the Bible says that, that we're to let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. All over the scripture, you see the engagement of the mind it is, is, is incredibly important to hearing the voice of God. Now, now, this is a dangerous activity. This is a very dangerous activity. And, and Steve, you and I have talked a lot because we, we both have come through a movement in the church world where people were hearing from God a lot. You remember those days, right? When you would go into service and people would have a word of prophecy. And they would have a word for, the, for, for God for you. And that was very common. It's not happening so much these days. But it has happened a lot in the church before. And it is a very dangerous activity uh, if, it, 
and if you feel that God is telling you something, it's like one pastor said. And here's why it's dangerous. It's dangerous because people have done some crazy, insane things based on what God supposedly told them. Right? People have done, people have done everything from murder to adultery to, to whatever you can think about that's horrible saying that God told me to do it. God told me. We've seen people ruin their lives based on what God told them. I like what one pastor said. He said, if you think God is telling you to relax and chill out, totally fine. Go with it. Take it as God. If you think God is telling you to quit your job, pack up your bags, and move to California, he says, I like this, he said, pray with every member of your house group, Pray with everybody in your prayer circle. I want you to be praying together with me. Whether that's actually God, he said, he said so, that this, so that together this community can help you discern whether that's actually God or some of your own stuff. Some of your own stuff that's getting in the way of your relationship with God. All that being said, let me give you three quick examples of ways that you can identify those thoughts, that they're God's voice, okay? First, first of all, God always speaks in a reasonably and controlled and peaceable manner. Always. Dr. Tanya Lerman, who, 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 who immersed herself. Dr. Tanya Lerman, as far as I know, is not a, she does not identify herself as a Christian. But she immersed herself for four years in, I thought of you because she went to vineyard churches in Chicago and California. She immersed herself in what we call a group of people called vineyard churches. Some of you don't know about that. But, but anyway, it's, these churches are filled with people who claim to hear from God a lot. And so she immersed herself in vineyard churches for four to five years. And she talked to a lot of people who would tell her that God spoke to them. All the people who God spoke to them. And they, God would tell them things like, a woman says she's driving. She hears a voice from the back seat that says, relax, calm down, and know that everything's going to be okay. And she took that as a word from God. And, and so she hears all these stories. Here's what she said. Because when she began to talk about this, and I was watching this recently, and she does TED Talk, and I, 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 my heart sunk when she starts talking about psychotic experiences. Because I thought, uh-oh, she's going to say that all of these people are psychotic. That, 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 these, that these claims that people are hearing from God is a, is a psychotic, is a psychosis, is what I meant to say. But here's what she said. She said, the experience that people were reporting to me did not sound like psychosis. I said, Phew. thank God. She said, when people experience psychosis, they will often hear many words, the same word, repeating over and over again. They will hear those words throughout the day, and typically those words are pretty negative. These experiences were startling, but not distressing. No, friends, when God speaks to you, he is not frantic. It's not insane. It's not, it's not repetitive. It's not, you, you, don't, you don't get tormented all day with a word from God. Like a psychosis where you get tormented. I, I, I've talked to a fellow quite a bit in the last couple of years who's always, always hearing from God, quote, hearing from God. 
And, and, and he will watch television, and the television will tell you God wants to kill you. That's what he will hear from God. Well, that's not God. When God speaks, it's never tormenting. It's never frantic. It's never full of fear. It's always full of faith. In fact, here's a bunch of verses that will help you with this. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 says, Many words mark the speech of a fool. If a thought is driving you crazy, it's not God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. James 3.17, But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times. And willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and fruit and of good deeds. 1 Corinthians 13.4-8 says, Love is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on getting its own way. If the voice in your head sounds like the voice of a bully... It's not God. Somebody say amen. Amen. God always, the second thing is God always speaks positively or with a positive result in mind. See, everything the sheep knows about the shepherd, the reason the sheep love the shepherd is they know his intentions for them are positive. They know he's trying to get them to greener pastures. They know he's making them lay, he's, 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 he's having them lie down beside stilled waters. They know he's preparing a table before them in the presence of their enemies and he's protecting them from their predators. They know that he will sacrifice his life for them. They know that his rod and his staff, they com- it comforts them. It doesn't beat them up. But it comforts them because the rod and the staff is the thing that will pull them back from a cliff that they're about to go over. Or it will beat a, a, a predator away. He, they know their shepherd. They know his intentions are good for them. And if you have any other idea in your brain than that God has good intent for you, you don't know the voice of God. God wants to make... You know, you know something? And this may really surprise you. You know, do you know what the number one command in the scripture is? Now, it's worded in different ways in different places. Let's take a second here. What do you think God, if you had to put it in a phrase or a sentence, what do you think God communicates the most to humans throughout the scripture? Nope. Not it. You're not going to get it. Probably because I read it somewhere else. (laughs) Anybody else will take a guess, though? That's close. Fear not is close, because that's part of what he said. The number one thing that God commands is for you to be happy. That's that's the number one command. If you if you boil it all down, take now said in different ways. It said rejoice occurs like couple hundred times rejoice you know what the word rejoice means it means brighten up you say oh but pastor times are so difficult yeah I know I know I know I know it doesn't make sense but we're we're hearing from another realm folks we're hearing from the heavenlies and heaven is saying rejoice heaven is saying heaven is saying peace heaven heaven is saying you are loved heaven is saying 
Heaven is saying God has all things under control. That's what heaven is saying. So the number one command, and we see it all kinds of ways through the scripture, uh, be glad. Go, go look at your, your, your even, even Google, even, even, the, even the tech giants can't stop us from hearing from God. Even go Google it. And, and, and Google be glad in the scriptures. And you'll see like a couple hundred scriptures that be glad. Rejoice. The number one command of God is, to you is not serve me better. Take care of my kingdom. No, it's be happy. Get happy. Woo-hoo. Amen. Yes. That's an awesome word. See, another, finally I would say this about the word of God. I'm talking about sorting out your thoughts. And no, no, I, I, know, I, know, I know people that have almost gone crazy because of something that God, they think God is saying to them. And I always think to myself, no, that's not God. I've been praying for a long time. I've been hearing God's voice for all of my life. And it's always been, it's always been the, it's the moment of breakthrough when I hear from God. When I hear from God, it's always the moment of, yes, everything's going to be okay. It's never, it's never, oh, we're doomed now. <laughs> In fact, Tanya Lerman, that, that um, psychologist that I talked about, that said that everybody she talked to, the moment when they would talk to her and they would start to cry would be when they said God told them how much he loved them. And she said, this is what I heard over and over again. So the final thing about sorting out your thoughts is God will always tell you that you're unconditionally loved. Always. Now I know... I know that for some, this is concerning, and it's concerning for me too. And I, I, I prayed about it a long time the other day. Lord, wait a minute. I know that scripture says that nothing can separate us from your love, and I believe it with all my heart. But God, I know people who, who just commit themselves to very, very destructive behaviors toward, toward other people, not just toward themselves, but toward other people. And and you're telling me that you're telling me that you that 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 they have nothing to worry about because your love is so powerful that they can they can abuse their kids and their spouse and and they they can abuse everybody and you know steal everybody's money and be total jerks. And here's what the Lord said. I feel like the Lord said to me. Here's the thought that came. And and, and I've spent about an hour. I was walking around the house, just, God, help me understand. And this came to me. You can get out of my will, but you can't get out of my love. Ah, that made sense. Okay, that makes sense. My, 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 one of my children, now I don't have a big uh, estate to leave them, but one of my children could behave so irresponsibly and so badly, and, and, and I, I would know that I need to, I might have to cut one of my children out of my will. Now, fortunately, I don't have to do that for two reasons. I don't have much to leave them. <laughs> and secondly, as I really, I trust them. But you, you all know, you all know that scenario. Someone's caught up in crime or drugs, 
to such an extent that the worst thing that the, a parent could do was to leave them a million dollars. So you might, you might cut your child out of your will, but you think a good parent would love that child any less? No. You can never, ever get out of his love. You can get out of his will, but you can't get out of his love. Amen. And you're going to constantly hear that. Now let's, let's close here with the final step of hearing God. And that is obey, yield, even when it's hard. Some, some people stop hearing from God because they're not willing to obey. And so their senses become dull. Because it's kind of like, it, and I'm going to just take a couple of extra minutes. I think this is important. It's kind of like if you live next to railroad tracks. After a while, you don't hear the railroad tra rail train come by. You block it out. It's called selective deafness. Now, if you, if you responded, if every time the, prayer, uh, the train came by, you responded yourself to get up and do something, or wave at the conductor or something, you would become more sensitive to the train. Because, oh, the train's coming. i got to run out and wave at the conductor. But what you do is you go about your business and ignore it. And you ignore it and you ignore it and ignore it. One day, you, ha you, have, you have people come and stay overnight. And, you, hey, how, how'd your night? Well, I was fine until that train came by, woke me up. <laughs> and you go, well, I didn't even hear it. That's what we can do to God. When we don't respond to his voice. I'm going to go back. To, I'm going to close with this. Isaiah 50 verse 6. I offered my back to those who beat me. Now that's a continuation. Remember that scripture that I said you're going to love? About Jesus saying, I have the ear of, a learn, of the learned. He said in verse 6, I offered my back to those who beat me. My cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking, spit, mocking and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me. I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I've set my face like a flint. I know I will not be put to shame. The Son of God heard from the Father. And one day the Father asked him to do something hard. But he did it. That made him a great son. And some of us this week, God's going to talk to you about letting go of bitterness against somebody that you don't want to let go of with bitterness. God's going to talk to you about loving someone you don't want to love. God may talk to you about making a, a sacrifice with your finances toward Him. He may not, by the way, but He might. And that will be the moment when you decide, do I want to keep hearing from God? I believe you will vote correctly. This is the test of the marvelous verse where Jesus is speaking. How many of you are ready to know God the Father the way Jesus knows the Father? How many of you are ready? If you've never started that journey, we're going to tell you right, in, right now how to start that journey in the most real and healthy way possible.